So I'd love to start out just by asking you, what is accessible yoga? What is accessible yoga? Um, well, that's a good question. I'm, um, it's kind of uh, two things right now. I think of it as an organization that I've created um, based on the teaching I was doing you know, for the last 20 years, 25 years, working with people with disabilities. But I would say that accessible yoga is also just an inclusive you know, program just to support yoga teachers who are trying to bring yoga to populations that aren't included in commercial or mainstream yoga classes. Mm. And so we're just trying to create kind of an underground culture of yoga that's outside of that mainstream world. Mm. So do you see like, uh, you know, the images of the perfectly physically fit, you know, yoga person um, doing very difficult postures? Are these like kind of the obstacle, would you say, in the direction that that you're trying to go in? Yeah, exactly. I, I think it's been um, unfortunate that yoga has been portrayed in that way as a purely physical practice, extreme, kind of like an extreme sport, you know, and I... I love asana. I think asana is amazing and I teach it all the time, but I feel like asana is just part of this, you know, huge world of yoga that is really more of a internal practice. And so I, I get concerned that people feel that they are not able to practice yoga because they see that image, the image of the yoga practitioner as a extreme physical thing that only some people can do. And it's kind of a, Honestly, I think it's based in, I'm going to say white supremacy, actually, and mm. in, in capitalism, that, we, mm. we're, that yoga has been, you know, appropriated by Western culture and turned into something that it's really not. And so I think part of, for me, part of accessible yoga is trying to get back to what yoga is. Not, I'm not trying to create something new with accessible yoga, but to actually go back to some more um, what I consider traditional aspects of yoga, which is that it's a spiritual practice, or even if you don't like the word spiritual, that, like I say, internal practice, um, working on calming your mind, connecting with yourself. I don't know if that makes sense. That makes total sense. What you said is so interesting to me. I just want to ask yeah. a follow-up on that, you know, related to capitalism or white yeah. supremacy, as you said. Yeah. Um, how does that, how do you connect those dots? Well, I mean... If you look at the way that yoga has been used and the way that the um, a lot of large corporations are now using yoga to sell clothing and advertising, I mean, we're talking about big money. Yoga is a multi-billion dollar industry. And in the West, um, you know, money gets a lot of attention. You know, that's where... Uh, and things are used or appropriated to sell things. And that's what's happened with yoga. It's like the physical advanced asana that is used to sell clothing and a, a whole lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's a yoga lifestyle now. And I think that's, um, that's a part of the world we live in. I'm not saying it's bad. I mean, it's okay to do that. It's okay to sell clothes and to, market yoga, but I think we need to have more consciousness about it. So I'm not trying to be critical of it. It's just be conscious that we're, that yoga and the, the way we perceive yoga is based on something that we're, we're being sold. It is very consciously being marketed to us as a particular thing. And I, and I think actually integral yoga as well has more of a full history, you know, of an understanding of what yoga is as a larger path rather than just asana.
if that if, does that make sense it makes total sense i keep asking you <laughs> yeah I, uh what, what i think about really is kind of labeling yeah. and how we make decisions in our lives of what we choose to do based on the labels that we want to be associated with so, for example, like, do I want to be seen as a yogi myself or is that something yeah. acceptable with my self-image? So yeah. it's like this, this sensitive self-image and really being concerned mm. about what other people think of me dictates what choices I make in my life. And I think that's even much of the reason why yoga is, um, you know, predominantly dominated by females mm. because it's more acceptable for, for women to, okay, you know, I go to yoga class, that's normal. If you're a man, you go to yoga class. Although that's changing, it's it's seen a little bit more as being outside of the box, hmm. right? Interesting. Yeah, I mean, in a way, what you're talking about is, is also the impact of marketing, which we're talking about. And, you know, marketing has to do with how is something perceived. You In, in marketing, what's used is the idea of, of aspirational models of marketing. So there, there's an image shown and you want to have that lifestyle. So you buy that product to look like that person, mm -hmm. to be like them. And so I think um, that's part of why men, I think, don't feel comfortable in yoga is because of marketing. But also then the culture has followed that and mostly it's women that are practicing now. I, I don't really know why that is exactly. Um, but I, I think... I think for all of us, I mean, there's benefit really, I think, to anyone practicing yoga. I mean, really, it's just transformed my life. And I've have seen so many students who benefited from it. So I feel like if we can just somehow show the world the possibility that yoga offers, um, not just within asana, not just adapting poses, but actually looking at how we can apply all of the different practices of yoga in our lives. I think it can just open up so many possibilities for people um, mm. that, you know, people who would never think of yoga per se, because they don't think they fit that image. Right. Yeah. Going back to the, the population um, that you focus on. Yeah. And I think, you know, pretty much all of us that are yoga practitioners mm -hmm. um, and teach, we get the question uh, or we, we run in with those who have never done a yoga class before. And they say, you know, oh, I'm not flexible. You know, I can't based on yeah. the images that you're talking about yeah. and all of that. So how do you respond to that as, as like, okay, I'm going to be the entrance way into yeah. kind of allowing someone to take that step and, you know, begin a life of yoga? Mm. That, that's a perfect question. I mean, I, I think that's exactly what we're facing and, and I, and I am concerned about, cause I think that, um, you know, really, there's a, there's a lot of people practicing yoga now uh, in the world, but really, there's so many who aren't. <laughs> and I just, I feel like, you know, um, those are the people that I'm interested in reaching, people that aren't practicing, people who don't think they can do it. And so I really want to, I want to find that way, find the way to um, teach yoga in a, in a different way or make it inviting to people who don't think they can practice i mean and especially people who have been marginalized so i'm particularly interested in people who feel like they're excluded from um mainstream yoga culture and in fact excluded from culture and society in general mm -hmm. i just feel like you know that's where i'm interested in bringing yoga um so my work's been mostly with people with physical disabilities but i'm also and accessible yoga is really more than that we're working on uh, supporting yoga teachers that bring yoga to any marginalized groups or groups that haven't been served currently or aren't currently served by yoga. So, 
yoga in prison or um, yoga in hospitals, whatever. It's just people that, um, you know, aren't going to yoga classes already. And I don't know how exactly to bring yoga to those populations, but that's what I'm pursuing. And I would say that I'm, the way I like to do it is to support people that are doing it already. So I don't want to tell other people how to do it necessarily, but I'd like to find out what's working out there and um, talk to those people. Hmm. And so that's what our conferences are. We run um, two large conferences a year and the conferences are like gatherings of usually have around 20 uh, presenters who are working in this field, this very large, but you know, field of accessible yoga, kind of like yoga for everyone else world. And, um, I get to listen to them and they get to listen to each other and they network and connect and we educate each other. And it's quite uh, beautiful, you know, to, to hear what's already happening out there. There's, there's so much amazing work happening in this world of accessible yoga. So many um, yoga teachers and organizations are serving um, outside of that mainstream culture, but they often don't get the attention um, or, and don't get money. So I, I think that's really another big issue is like policy mm. and really how do we support yoga going to those, to those communities? Not because it feels good, but because those communities are already engaged in some way and they mean, may need our support. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think there's, there's so much to do. It's not just, it's a marketing question. How does, how is yoga perceived out there? How are we portraying yoga? But also, how do we support people within those communities that are practicing and are teaching? Um, rather than also, th there's kind of another challenge of being like uh, the white savior thing of like going into a community and trying to fix something or serve something that you don't really understand. And that's not, that's not the issue either. I think it's really empowering people. In fact, um, accessible yoga began because I was frustrated that people would disabilities weren't taking um, teacher training programs. And so I created a teacher training to train yoga, train people with disabilities to be yoga teachers with the hope that they would then go back to their communities and bring yoga there, mm. which they, many of them did, you know. So. Is it possible to, you know, teach that portion of the population um, without kind of having lived that experience yourself, mm -hmm. right? Like if you're not a marginalized part of the population, so to speak, can you still stand in front of that class and, <laughs> and be of genuine service? Or do you really have to, you know, stand in their shoes in order mm -hmm. to be effective? I mean, I think that it, 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 yes and no, like you can to a point, I think you can serve as, as best you can, but I think you have to begin by being honest about your position. Mm -hmm and your privilege and what you've experienced. Um, you know, personally, I mean, I'm a gay man. And so I feel like I've had some experience of being marginalized in some ways, but as a white man, I haven't experienced some, you know, I have a lot of privilege. So to me, I have to be honest when I'm teaching about where I'm coming from and what I know. And then I can just offer opportunities for people to then explore themselves. But really, I think my main goal is to train other yoga teachers within communities and support them as much as I can um, so that they can figure it out themselves. Like, I don't want to come in with the answers, mm -hmm. but I just don't feel like there's many organizations out there supporting that. You know, I mean, we have, um, we have this like incredibly powerful commercial yoga 
world, that's where all the marketing is coming from. They're creating imagery and sending a message of what yoga is. And then you have, um, you know, kind of some, some policy organizations like Yoga Alliance that I think are trying to do better. And I'm trying to work with them. I think they're doing okay now. Um, but I don't really see any support for the grassroots yoga, right? To bring yoga to the people. <laughs> That's nice. mm. I'm basically an anarchist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. Why do you put yourself in that category? And why are you like lit with this, with this fire? Like, is it from some, some kind of personal experience that you have? Um, is it that your priorities are kind of, differently aligned? I don't know. <laughs> um, I think it's a combination of things. I think that I, I came into yoga in a slightly unusual way, which is that my background is in AIDS activism. Mm. When I was young, I was in my late teens and 20s, uh, coming out of the closet during the AIDS crisis in the 80s and 90s. And so my experience in that time and my kind of, you know, like growing up time um, was very unusual. I think that most people didn't have that experience of like basically being surrounded by people who were sick and dying. Mm. And m my friends were like, I literally had lost uh, most of my friends at that time. And uh, my best friend died in 1995. And I spent time, you know, those early years working in AIDS hospices and marching on the streets in demonstrations and getting arrested and and it was frustrating but also very powerful i mean there's there's a lot of benefit in that experience and that i saw i saw how to organize community i saw the benefit in grassroots organizing and and listening you know really coming together as a community and just listening to each other rather than having a hierarchy of power which i feel like is what most most systems that we work within are, are. Um, so I'm just still interested in that. And then yoga, you know, yoga really saved me. And I feel greatly indebted to yoga for giving me a way to find some peace of mind myself. So what I'm interested in is then giving that to others. I feel like I owe that back, you know, to the world is to try to bring yoga to people who need it. And, and we all need it. And especially anyone who's feeling like they don't have it or they don't have a way, you know, maybe anyone who feels trapped, they don't feel like they have a Tool, tools to deal with their struggle. Those are the people I'd like to bring yoga to. So I do feel kind of indebted for that, I guess. Mm. Yeah. You, you spoke about, you know, hierarchy that happens yeah. often. Yeah. And so even in a yoga class, right, that can yes. happen a lot, right? Mm -hmm. the, there's the teacher and you're the student. So I'm going to kind of tell you what to do type, type of thing. Yes. So for you as, and for, you know, our teachers yeah. in that role, you know, how would you even define, you know, a good yoga class to yourself? Yeah. I mean, that, that's very much on my mind as what happens within the yoga class and how that, how, how is that experience replicating um, an oppressive culture that may not be supporting people in their growth? And I, I think that's, it's a big problem. And so actually what I do in my training is I, I ask teachers to reflect on that, to reflect on their role and their position and also the way they feel about their students and whether they feel that their students have knowledge and wisdom or not. And how can you start to look at your students differently 
and see that potential and see that you're and potentially and that you're coming into the into that relationship um in a more collaborative way to um to not just value your knowledge, but to value what they have to offer. And so that what happens is you create a relationship that's a mutually beneficial relationship with your student. Now, I realize that most of the time as a teacher, you're talking, right? You're like giving information, but really the way you say things and, and, and actually what you feel about what you're saying can really shift. So I can offer teachings in a way like just do this command or I can offer information as suggestions and um, exploration and possibility. And, I, and, it, and to be honest, that's also trauma-informed teaching. So that like a lot of these ideas are kind of coming out in different ways in yoga right now. I mean, trauma-informed teaching is kind of like a, a catchword right now in yoga because everyone has trauma. So we need to be conscious of that when we're teaching. But actually trauma-informed teaching often means that you work in a more collaborative way with the student. You offer options rather than one way. Mm. And you're trying to give people more um, control over their body and over their lives through practice. Rather than just being told what to do, um, they actually be, they, they gain more authority over themselves. So that's an empowering approach. So I guess just to summarize, I would say that there's two words I use when I train teachers. I ask them to look at collaborating with their students and also to do so in a creative way, to approach teaching as creation, as a creative endeavor. Um, and I feel strongly that yoga practice and yoga teaching is creative. Mm -hmm. And to me, spirituality is, is creativity, right? That when I'm I have a background in art, actually, which is weird because I don't do art anymore. <laughs> but um, when I do, when I'm in yoga and in that space, it's the same feeling as when I'm making art, and it's this kind of, you know, timeless, spaceless experience of being. Mm -hmm. And I feel like yoga brings you into that place, and creativity brings you there. And I really start to see that there's an intersection between them, and that creativity and spirituality really really are the same, right? There's a, it's connecting with that source energy, you know, that is within us um, through some activity. And I think yoga practice is a very concise, organized way of doing that. Um, so I ask teachers to consider how can they approach teaching in a more creative way and think of rather than have a plan exactly to understand in, in a sense, master the material mm -hmm and then improvise. And I think that that's what like a really masterful artist would do or a musician, right? You kind of, you learn the scales and then you can really play. Mm. Yeah, and what about the role of vulnerability too, uh, right? As like a teacher, because you, you know, you go and you don't plan on making a mistake, you know, so to speak. Or, oh, I do. You know, there, there you go. <laughs> that you, maybe, that's, maybe that's the answer to my question, but I had to move into that space yeah. of like, Okay, I can be vulnerable. I can show, and isn't that so important to a student also? Like yeah. when they're seeing a teacher and the way that you handle yourself when you, I guess, make a mistake, if we want to call it, maybe that's more important than anything else that we teach. I mean, yeah, I, you know, if if I'm actually practicing yoga and being authentic with myself, then I'm working on my ego, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because ego is an obstacle yeah. to our enlightenment, to our self 
awareness. So, I mean, I, I think it's good to have an ego, right? We need, we need that in the world, but um, to think I'm perfect or better than you is just fooling myself and creating more um, suffering for myself. You know, it's just, um, it's not yoga. So I'd say, I often think I'm better than everyone, but that's not helpful. <laughs> You know, then half the time I think I'm worse than everyone. Mm-hmm. So it's like a right. It's like a roller coaster ride. Do, mm-hmm. do you do that too? I mean, if the mind just kind of goes like up and down. Do you, yeah, yeah. Make me feel better. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah. To be vulnerable is to be human and honest and try to connect with people in an honest way. And I think newer yoga teachers, it's harder, right? Like you're like nervous. But when you get over that, I think um, just be honest. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a bit of a more technical question oh, okay. that uh, someone would like to ask you, Jivana, is how to best accommodate folks with knee pain, knee replacements, uh, aside from patting the knees or skipping the kneeling positions, uh, what might you suggest? Mm. That really took it right down to earth. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> we could do that. Oh, yeah, right. I know I kind of like to talk up way up there. Um, I have one thought, which is um, this actually came up in the training that I finished today and came up yesterday. Actually, rather than patting the knee, what's really helpful is to actually put a pad under the shin and to put weight on the shin. So like, say you're kneeling and uh, on all fours. Is that the same thing? Kneeling? No. Say you're on all fours, actually like cat-cow preparation. Mm-hmm. Instead of just putting a blanket under the knees, you can put a blanket that doesn't go under the knee, it just ends right at the shin. So the pressure is actually on the bone. And that's generally safer for all the joints, is the pressure is not on a joint, but on a bone. Mm. Yeah, so I don't know if that's helpful. Hopefully that's helpful. Great. Um, okay. I wanted to ask you about the, uh, the award that you received from the UN and what that experience was oh, like. Oh, it wasn't an award. It wasn't a award. <laughs> I wish. Oh, so what was it? Yeah. No, it was a Nobel Peace Prize. No. Uh, <laughs> no, it was no award. But it was an award in a sense in that they asked me to teach there. Mm. So I got to go and teach yoga there. Okay. Um, yeah, that was a couple of years ago. I was invited to the UN um, in Geneva to, for, to celebrate the uh, International Day of Persons with Disabilities. They were having a big event. It was like uh, December 3rd. It's actually an international holiday that the UN created a few years ago. And it's a day to celebrate disability awareness and disability pride, actually. And so I got to teach yoga to people there at the, at the event. And it was amazing. And I got to hear the other people that were there. Um, it helped me understand a little more about disability rights and the disability rights movement. Um, you know, and actually Swami, um, Sudananda here at the ashram has a lot of experience in that. I learned from here this weekend as well. But um, it's interesting how disability rights, and I would say human rights in general, intersects with yoga philosophy. You know, and I think it comes down to this idea of um, that we all have some basic spiritual essence within us, and that's equal within all of us. Mm-hmm. You know, that everyone has that same. Mm-hmm like truth regardless of someone's physical or or mental capacity that it is they're still whole within there and i feel like the disability rights movement is very clear in that regard that we're all equal 
even though many laws in the, in the world or many governments do not treat treat people with disabilities as equals at all. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like there's that yoga in a way can help us find that humanity um, in each other and in all people and help empower people who do not feel empowered, who, ha- who have been left out, mm-hmm. right? Speaking about yoga and more of this like whole, mm-hmm. whole way, mm-hmm. um, is there an aspect of yoga that, that even kind of incorporates our relationship with those who maybe are experiencing life mm-hmm. completely differently from us? Mm-hmm. And, and so how to go about that? Okay, I don't know what it's like to be you, but maybe, like you said, there's something also that's in the same in all of us. Yeah. So can we focus on connecting in that level of sameness? Um, or just, yeah, what type of yoga is that, like in our interpersonal mm. relationships? That's yoga. That's beautiful. Mm. I think what you just said, you know, that if you, I mean, part of yoga, is, like I mentioned before, we're trying to, um, in a way, get move beyond ego, and ego is separation, right? Ego is teaching us that we're better or worse than others. Um, and, and then that can be projected outwards. So like society's ego does the same thing where we, society may consider people with disabilities as better or worse than the, the, you know, everyone else. So you often see people with disabilities portrayed as either um, put on a pedestal, like superhuman, transcending whatever problem they have, or you see them as less than subhuman with no, no power and no rights. Um, and you see this happening a lot with other oppressed groups. They're, they're either put way up or way down. And I think that seeing people as equal is important. I think equity is really the answer. Um, but that's not to deny their experience. So I think part of what happens is something called spiritual bypass, where we say, oh, it's all good, you know, and we're all equal, as if the suffering is not there. And that's not the point. The point is that the suffering is there. People do have pain and challenges in their life. And we need to be real about that. But also, in the end, to know that underneath that, they're human and they're equal. Everyone is equal in that regard. So there has to be a balance. It's, a, it's really a, a paradox, actually. Um, in fact, I wrote an article about yoga and human rights. And that, I think it's on my blog somewhere, Accessible Yoga. But what I said in the article is that there's a paradox there in that um, we're all equal and yet we're all different. And be able to hold that at the same, you know, hold those two things together is, is yoga to me, right? Mm. And that's, that's what I would say accessible yoga is for me, is be able to be in a room with people and say, each person is different. They have different needs. They've had a different life cha- experience and different challenges. But we can come together in a, in a unifying way and, and share that moment together. In fact, one of the things I'm kind of obsessed with in yoga classes, which is, it sounds kind of weird, but I, I love the idea of mixed classes where people of different abilities are practicing together. Um, and I feel like yoga right now is pretty um, segregated. Mm. We think we're teaching different levels because we see yoga as a physical exercise or something. So we have advanced and beginning classes and chair yoga and all that. And that's, I mean, that's okay. But I also think there's a really beautiful opportunity for yoga to be a unifying force, people can come together and practice together of different abilities. So I, I train yoga teachers to bring people uh, who are practicing in chairs right into traditional mat classes. 
So a lot of, I, I teach skills for teachers to do that. How do you have someone in the room practicing in a chair alongside people in a mat, on a mat? You know, because I think that creates a, a unified experience, right? Yeah, I think about you know the from the perspective of a teacher, mm-hmm. you know, going into a class, and in a way, um, it seems you know easier or more simple to just focus on like the physical posture, the exercise portion of it. But I think what you're talking about is so important in terms of seeing yoga as a, a deeper thing, you know, a spiritual experience. And yeah. more than that, I think this is the real thirst, mm-hmm. you know, that people have is to to have, you know, a spiritual experience yeah. in their lives. Um, yeah. So from the perspective of a teacher, you know, how to kind of step forward into acknowledging that, like what, what the possibilities of what your class can be pretty much it can be more than just this yeah. exercise it can be but that can be an intimidating thing for a teacher to, to move into that space yeah. right and that can also be exclusive exclusive in a way of people who don't want con- who don't consciously want spirituality like mm-hmm. some people don't want spiritual teachings or they don't want they're not interested in religion and they feel that yoga it doesn't have to be and we, we can make it more universal by taking that out and so i think there, we need to find other ways of talking about that. I think spirituality is part of life and we separate it as if it's something else. I think mm-hmm. it's the basis of what's already going on. So you can't really take it away. Mm-hmm. So it's there in asana, right? Your spirit is there in asana. Your spirit is there in everything you do. And the yoga teachings actually work, talk about working with the mind. So I, I, that's what I focus on. I, I don't usually talk about spirituality so much directly. And I recommend maybe in public classes that teachers don't either, but rather talk about uh, working with the mind, um, you know, either becoming more peaceful or connecting with yourself, connecting with the heart. These are ways of coming home to yourself. Like these concepts are maybe more universal and understandable and are still spiritual concepts, right? That's, that's like what the yoga teachings teach us, that if we just need to we just need to work on the mind calm the mind and the other part will just naturally be there because that's who we are anyway Mm. right Mm. if that helps yeah i love that it makes me think too of uh you know just asking questions too during a class like okay you know you fell out of the the balancing posture like how did you feel about that you know like what happened there with your mind you know those types of like inquiries just 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 to ask and I, and I see that happening in yoga classes, even the ones that are very extremely physical. I, I, was, I just took a class the other day that was like so, so physically challenging for me. It was like a vinyasa flow. And I, 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 part of me was feeling like, first of all, why was I even there? But because um, it just was so hard. But then, um, you know, I see the benefit in challenging my mind that way through challenging my body. So I understand that. I think there's so much benefit in doing extreme, not extreme, doing challenging physical practice right it can really help you work on your mind Mm. but i think you have to just keep that in mind that sure you're strengthening the body and you're working on the mind but eventually the body is going to die you know so what's going to happen then or you'll even get older what happens when you get really good at those asanas and then you have an injury or you you know you turn 50 like i did you know a year and a half ago and all of a sudden i feel really old (laughs) so it's just things happen, you know, and, and you can still be a yogi. Like, even if you can't move at all, right? Even if you can't move your body at all, you can be a yogi. Mm. 
yeah, I like even just thinking the idea that that life is yoga. Yes, yeah, exactly. I don't think that's so far fetched. No. Sometimes I have my students practice in their mind. So like you could imagine an asana, you know, you just go through in your mind. It's really fun, like with sun salutation to go through mentally, just lie in bed, practice sun salutation in your mind and see if you can concentrate on it for like the whole series. Mm. It's a great practice because you're actually, first of all, you'll feel the benefit too, right? Visualizing is powerful. Um, And also it's a good practice of concentration to see if you can get your mind focused for that period of time. Uh, and it shows, again, how much yoga is a mental practice, right? Mm. That you can get the benefit from just thinking about what you're doing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Let's see what else we got. Mm. Can you speak about your ambassador program? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have um, Accessible Yoga Ambassador Program is um, really designed as a way to give support to people who are doing the work of making yoga accessible. So I, that was my original intention with creating accessible yoga was to support other teachers. Actually, it was selfish in the end. I, I wanted support, you know, honestly. I just felt that there wasn't any organization to support me at that moment. I had just mm. moved and I, I didn't have a yoga family, a yoga community, and I was looking for support for my work. And I realized that I could create that for others, you know, and create something that I wanted for myself too. Mm. Um, So accessible yoga really was about a platform. So it started with the conferences, creating a platform for yoga teachers who I admire and who are doing that work. And then the ambassador program is just another level of that, of trying to empower people with our name, just like use our name and be an ambassador and, and just uh, connecting, connecting those people to this larger network. and and we are all over the world I mean it's incredible like it's not like I created something it was more just like I noticed something that was there Mm. and and I found all these amazing people I mean like we have accessible yoga ambassadors everywhere and I think they're I mean we have at least a close to a thousand formal ambassadors, but then we have more than that on our Facebook groups. We have 22 Facebook groups in 10 languages and there are people connecting really literally all over the world who are already doing the work, you know? So it's not like, I mean, I do train teachers, but I haven't trained that many, you know? And these are also people that just were already teaching and making yoga accessible. um, And they've kind of come connect to this family of people who are, interested in that in bringing yoga to people who don't currently have access Mm. have have you learned anything through this about sharing because it makes me think of like you know when i'm in school and you know you're you're, you're, don't cheat don't share answers at any of that Mm. and then one of my favorite parts when i became a a yoga teacher was uh more of this atmosphere of oh yeah if you like something that i do sure take it and and vice versa um so is that, is that something that you've kind of learned through the ambassador program, would you say? Yeah, through accessible yoga in general, I've mm. learned about that. And one of, my, one of the ways I work with my ego is to give away the name accessible yoga and to not feel like an ownership over that, mm. you know, and to really encourage people to use it, you know, encourage people to call their classes accessible yoga. Um, it's not like you know, my ego wants to own that. And I also, but in my heart wants to give it away. So that's what I really focus on is just mm-hmm. like giving it away, 
And that's what I think what you're saying about yeah. generosity. And I get so much back. Like the minute I give something away, um, it comes back to me, you know, even, even more. It's been incredible, actually. It seems almost hard to believe, I think, until you actually experience it. Yeah. When you experience, okay, yeah. you're, okay, I just, I give without, without thinking. And then all of a sudden it's like, wow, all these things came up that you could never have strategized, right? Like you build a relationship with these people that leads to more opportunities yeah. and you wouldn't have been able to make a game plan of it, but just through this mentality of sharing, it came about. Yeah. And that sharing isn't just, I mean, to me, it's based on yoga practice, actually. It's not just because I'm, I'm not really that nice. I don't think, you know what I mean? It's not like being a nice person. It's just that because I'm trying to yeah. practice yoga. And to me, that means that I'm working on myself. And like I said, my ego gets in the way of my happiness. Mm. And I think I said that, but if, if not, I'm saying it now. Ego gets away with my happiness. And I, so I struggle with controlling my ego by giving away what I have and also by focusing on others as much as I can. So um, part of my practice is through social media. Um, I don't generally share myself and my own practice very much. I'm constantly trying to show other people and what they're doing. So basically through accessible yoga and our, our, our social media platforms, we just show other people, just constantly share other people's work. Basically, that's what we do. We just like share it. Look at this person. Look at this person. Look at this person. You know, like that's, that's how it works. And is that maybe what we're doing in a yoga class too? Like, well, maybe Mm. we're just sharing our own practices. Could it be as simple as that? Definitely. I love, I love that. I mean, I, I, that came up in our weekend training as well. Like someone in the group said, you know, I don't call myself a teacher and I don't say I'm teaching yoga. I'm sharing my practice. Mm. And I haven't evolved to that place yet. Personally, Mm. (laughs) my ego still wants to be a teacher, Mm. but um, maybe someday. But I do think we're doing that. We're sharing our practice. We're exploring together. Um, I mean, you know, yoga is fun. And um, it should be. If, it, if it's just all serious all the time, it gets so boring. Mm. So, I mean, a yoga class should be a, a time to come together with people that we um, care about and show them something we like to do and learn from them. It's an exchange. So you're giving away and you're getting back. Right, because as a yoga teacher, you know that you you get more benefit than the students do. Generally, I mean, it just feels so amazing to teach yoga. It's incredible. It's just that you know this attitude of lightness. Mm. uh, I'm very interested in Mm -hmm. you know um, because it's so refreshing when you when you you know meet someone else or have an experience where it's just this lightness and almost a wonder you know for life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's such an opportunity Mm. to to bring that into the world. through teaching, if you can manifest it, yeah. um, but you know, what's in the way of a teacher kind of getting to that place of, of lightness? I'll tell you what's in the way a lot, um, is trying to fix things and heal and cure and solve problems. I say that's the biggest obstacle for me. Um, especially if you're working with people with disabilities or struggling, it's so easy to think that you're going to come in and, and solve something. Even if you actually might know something that would help, it's not it's not your place you can share what you know or you can share and then you let it go it's up to the person to decide you're not responsible we're not responsible for someone else's journey and i feel like we think we're helping and in fact it's that concept of like helping versus serving Mm. you know that is very very dangerous trap and i think a lot of yoga teachers get into that trap 
they're, they're, they're helping. Mm. And that's not really useful. It's not useful for the student and it's not useful for you. In fact, you'll end up burning out, right? This humility, you yeah. know, I, I think is what you're talking about. Yeah. And um, I think something else you, you shared also made me think of it when, you know, we compare ourselves to each other. And, you know, half of the time you spend thinking that, you know, yeah. you're above and then the other half that you're yeah. below, this yeah. type of thing. Um, for me, the answer there is humility in, in the sense that, like, I have no idea what someone else's experience is, life, yeah. is, is like in mm -hmm. life. And the more I can just not really pay attention to it and focus on it, like, and just concentrate on what I know, which is the self, yeah. the better off, you know, I'll be. But it's, it's, we get distracted with this comparison game. And to me, it's a lack of humility because it's just impossible to know where we stand compared to another person anyway. So why enter that game? Yes. I think the best thing is to help that person ask themselves. Do you know what I mean? So for, for, to me, a lot of what yoga is about is like giving someone tools to explore in their own life how to solve their problems, how to find the answers. So if someone comes to me with a problem and they say, I am, I'm suffering, I have this problem, I'll often say, well, what do you think you should do about that? You know, and if I, yeah, I might find different ways of saying that. And that's basically what I try and say is like, ask them. Or maybe rather than just ask directly, say, okay, well, maybe you need to just do some practice, get quiet, and then, think, then ask yourself, you know, but in the end, the answer is coming from you. I don't really have the answer. Um, I can tell you what's helped me. That's fine. I can share what I do. But generally, I would just turn it back, turn it back to you. Because it's dangerous for so many reasons, like you said, not just humility. But if you think that you're healing, that you're curing, and that you're helping, you're setting yourself up for later failure, actually, right? It's your ego is getting built up. It's just, you know, the ego will find any opportunity it can to get puffed up. And then it pops. You know, mm. and you're just left lower than you were before. And that's been my experience. So. Mm. Mm. Uh, maybe we have time for one more question here. Mm. What's uh, one of Gurudev's teachings that you found to be most useful to you? I mean, there's so many. <laughs> I, I would just say, you know, his focus on service, and that's kind of the theme that we, I think we've been talking about here, which is service doesn't mean to me that you're just giving everything all the time, but that you actually know how to give, mm. right? That you know how to take care of yourself and you know how to um, offer to others to give back at the same time, you know? So there's, there's some kind of um, lesson there that he, he was a great example of that to me. And it's something he talked about a lot to understand what does that actually mean to be of service to the world? Um, and it's something I'm trying to figure out. So. Mm. Do you think that like we're created to serve? In a way? Yeah. I mean, why else are we here? I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> when, and when you were talking about, you know, your, your personal story and yeah. how you were involved in activism when you were yes. younger, uh, it made me think that like, you kind of saw behind like the veil or you, you experienced something like a, you experienced service and there was no way of going back mm. and you've just continued to go forward in it um, because it was such a change from, you know, finding, finding purpose in your life really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think just being exposed to illness and death early on 
and then to Swami Satchidananda's teachings at the same time, mm. it really um, helped me see that 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 the the mind and its games don't really work, and there's got to be another way. And I think that's what yoga teaches. Um, yoga teaches us to be um, to question all the time and analyze the way we're working, the way we're thinking, um, and to try to connect with a deeper place within us, and that, and then to experience that, to experience um, peace and and contentment and to really know that that's enough that we don't need to achieve these external things for happiness to come they come through um through service through a serviceful life that that allows you to be peaceful with yourself and it's it's a it's a it's a challenge i mean it's very hard so i'm not saying that's easy i'm i'm struggling with it like a lot Mm. you know but i i'm trying yeah one of the best things that I heard uh, when I first came to the ashram or I, when mm-hmm. I read um, Gurudev's teaching that it was, you know, let nothing disturb your peace. Even if God comes, don't yeah. let God disturb your peace. Yeah, and I was just never had someone, you know, say anything like that and, you know, prioritize peace to that extent where it's like this peace above all. Mm. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, well, I got a ways to go. Let's put it that way, because things bother me all the time, uh, especially politics and uh, you know that kind of stuff. But you know, you just—I know that in the end, if I obsess about it, it's not helping. I try mm-hmm. to find something to do. So, what can I do within the world that I have, within my the people that I can touch? Um, how can I, you know, support them? You know, and that that serves me. That's how I get back. You know, I get something back when I able to support and give something away. In terms of actually making progress, do you think more progress is made from like a place of like frustration or from a place of like lightness? Like I accept how everything is, but still I'm going to try to move in a positive direction. I mean, I'm asking myself that question all the time. Mm. I, I think that is essential to ask. I think both ways work. And I think that we just need to each of us ask ourselves, what, how can I best serve? And it could be by demonstrating on the, on the street and blocking traffic and being angry and stopping pain from occurring in the world, stopping stop destruction from happening. It can also be through creation and being doing positive things. So I feel like that both sides are effective and I think we just need to find, we, we need to do all do the best we can. There's no one answer. Mm-hmm. I also think sometimes we can act in a strong way and sometimes we can be softer. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I'm trying to figure out actually. So I don't know. I, I mean, you need to tell me. Yeah. I, I well, know. I think like, like, you, like you said, you know, allowing everyone to make those decisions for themselves. Like what is yeah. right to you to yeah. do and yeah. to follow that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah.